What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mike Dolce Show. Special day today. We have our good friend, Mr. Joe DeFranco. And Joe is the founder and owner of the world-famous DeFranco's Gym. He's worked with probably every, you know, every major great athlete. You've had a hand in them or one of their competitors, somebody on the field at the same time. Um, You've worked with athletes from all 32 teams in the NFL, which is amazing. MLB, NBA, WWE, UFC, Olympic, high school, college, all Americans from, you know, Every athlete, every stage, you've worked with everybody, every body type, uh, which is awesome. And something else, aside from your, your coaching prowess, is your business side in you know being the, the, the grandfather of the garage gym, essentially. I don't know if, if anyone's giving you that term, but I'm going to give you that term right now, and hopefully it sticks because it's true, man. You, you were able to produce Olympic caliber results in, what, a 400-square-foot room? So everybody, here's, here's Joe DeFranco. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so the original, the original quote unquote gym was 500. It was bigger, bigger than you've been giving, giving me credit for 500, a whopping 500 square feet. And, uh, it was actually a storage closet, which is funny. It's not just like a, a term I use because it was small. It was actually a storage closet in the back of an existing health club, uh, that they were, you know, they threw some old, um, equipment that was broken and some furniture, uh, office furniture that was old and rusty. They, they threw it all in that, that back room. I cleaned it out and, and I turned it into a business. Wow. And what year was that? 2000, early 2003. Okay. And before that, what were you doing? You were bouncing around to all the big commercial gyms, what everybody thought you were supposed to be doing, right? Yeah, I um, I yeah. In college, I worked at a bunch of different commercial gyms. Pretty much the only job I I've, I've had was like in the personal training industry. Yep. Um, out of college, I got an internship at P- the Parisi Speed School. Oh, nice. Which I was there for five years. Um, and w- that was a great experience. Uh, definitely big part of my career. I was able to you know one of the few people that at 21 years old, right when I graduated from college. I was able to get a job in the profession that I wanted, you know, at a facility that was, you know, there, what, that was the only show in town at that point. Um, it was a lot of younger kids at that point, seven to 13 years old. Um, but that was a great experience. Like, you know, I wanted to work with pro athletes right from day one, but I look back and working with those younger kids for that five year period definitely helped me build a, a great foundation. And, and I'm, you know, I'm proud of that, that part of my career as well. Now, was that part of a mentorship? Did someone place you in that position to develop you as a coach or was that your decision to start at that level? They, um, as far as working with the young kids or Parisi's and uh, working with the, was it someone in Parisi's that said, here's, you know, DeFranco, young, smart guy coming out, we're going to start them and we're going to scale them through the, the levels. Or the- yeah, and it was a little bit of both. That was there was definitely um, there were some NFL guys training there at that point, but it wasn't as big yet. They were still kind of new, so I got in there during the early days, which was good. So um, it's kind of kind of twofold. It was basically I would say eighty to ninety percent of the clientele was seven to thirteen year old. Okay, sure. And the few NFL guys and pro guys that were there. Bill Parisi, the owner and founder, was still, you know, in the trenches training. So he was taking most of the NFL guys and the pro athletes. And um, I started out at that that level because basically that was the majority of the clientele. Yeah. Now, as a father, Joe's got two beautiful five year old twin girls at home. Yeah. So as a father, but also as a world class strength coach, how do you see what would you say is the proper way to develop young, you know, young humans, young athletes into great athletes? I think it's probably the opposite. Most people, they see how, uh, you know, guys like us that are into fitness and strength and, and dealing with these world-class athletes probably think, um, you know, I would be like that crazy parent, but I'm actually 
And I learned this early working with young kids and seeing and dealing with a lot of those crazy parents, you know, a lot of times or most of the time, uh, they're not producing the, the best athletes in the world. That, that crazy dad that's starting his son at three years old and he's specializing in just wrestling or just basketball. Uh, yeah, you'll get the Tiger Woods, the one in a hundred million every now and then. But what I found was uh, the, the best, most well-rounded and healthiest athletes long term were the, the kids that were their parents let them kind of be exposed to everything. So at that seven to 13 year old range, the, the, the kids that would run the fastest, jump the highest, and just I found to be the most athletic. When you would ask them their sport, most of those kids weren't specializing. You heard a lot about gymnastics, dance, uh, ballet for, you know, girls were always like ballet, dance, gymnastics, guys, uh, the, the young boys and girls as well. But martial arts uh, was huge in there for young kids. And again, they don't have to aspire to fight in the UFC, but just I think um, being involved in uh, you know karate class when you're young, you get that not only the discipline, but just that general body awareness and, and relative strength and uh, coordination. Um, th- that's, that's the biggest thing. And, and the best way to develop those things that I just mentioned, relative strength, coordination, body awareness, um, it's, it's exposing them to everything, you know, let them wrestle, let them play basketball, let them play soccer, you know, and let them run around and play outside. Uh, you don't want to specialize too soon. Um, you want to expose them to everything while their, their brain and their nervous system is developing. It's almost like clay and the more you expose them to, the more physical qualities they'll develop. And then when when they get older and they do want to, that's when you can start to specialize. You have that greater foundation of just athleticism and, and body awareness. So that's the biggest thing for me right now as a dad now. It's just, you know, I want my kids to be active. I want them to be into sports. They're still only five, so they're not doing anything organized. But we let them try gymnastics. They've both done ballet, dance, cheerleading. Uh, they did soccer for a little while. And we have a, you know, a, a jungle gym outside, and I encourage them as much as I can when they're sitting inside you know, uh, watching TV. I'll go outside. Go, go on the swings. Go play on the slide. You know, go, go play tag. Yeah. Like I, I try to force them to go outside and play as much as I can. That's awesome, man. Do you see any special attributes with either that would put them into a specific category? Volleyball, running, what have you? Yeah, it's funny, though. Well, the I mean, with your eye, imperceivable to the civilian eye, but with your eye, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, and I don't want to be that dad, uh, you know, because, you know, <laughs> oh, my daughter, my son, he's different than every other yeah. kid on the planet. Like, no, they're not, not really. But um, my one daughter, Adriana, definitely – um, has, has a, a little gift so far that I could see for sprinting. Cause okay. again, watching so many young kids run and see how bad it looks, it just kind of made me smile. Like I can the, see the, that uh, smile on your sprinting. face. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like, and my daughter, uh, my, my wife, Ashley was like, don't you start already. You know, I see those wheels turning, but I go, ah, I think she, I think we might have a track star. I'm going to just let it go for now. But I, I see a little something there with the arm action and like her kind of core control. It, it was pretty cool. So, so that's the, the first thing I caught so far. That's awesome. And shoot, man, running pays for good colleges. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially girls now, like the, the track scholarships and stuff, they're, they're available. So, Hopefully, again, I'm going to let them yeah. – I'm going to kind of do my thing and, and sit back a little bit and, and see what they're going to gravitate towards and like. I don't want to be – I don't want to push them into anything, but hopefully uh, sh- she'll like that because it seems like she kind of has a natural affinity for it so far. Yeah, that's awesome. So you know, more the, the nuts and the bolts. You've been in the game professionally over 20 years, but you – know, it practically your whole life. I mean, when, when did you first get the bite, the, the iron bug, you know, when did that first bite you? I mean, I, I was always into it. So like pushups and sit-ups and stuff at a, you know, probably when I was six or seven, In but the womb. I, I could honestly say I officially, my dad finally caved in and brought me to his gym 
when I was 11, like going into my seventh grade year in, in football, I could honestly say like I trained hard. Like that's when yeah. I started barbells and dumbbells and going to a real gym. And it's an East so, Coast gym, mind you. Yes, Empey's Barbell in Patterson, New Jersey. I still say the best gym I ever trained at yep. in my life. Uh, it's what molded me and and the gyms that I've uh, had. It, it It's that if for those who obviously most of the people listening to this never have been to Empey's Gym in Patterson, New Jersey, but equate it to where um, Apollo Creed brought Rocky when he trained him. Love it. Uh, in Rocky, that type of gym. The one in Philly. Uh, I guess that was Rocky three when they're getting ready for Mr. T. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the type. And it's, it's a dungeon. Yes. It's a, it's a, a torture chamber to the outside world, but to guys like you guys like me, mine was a Jersey shore fitness shop. It was uh, <laughs> convicts and law enforcement training side by side for an hour or so yeah. a day. Right. And everybody had their respect because of what they did with the weights. That was the gym. That was yep. the deal. Key club. $20 a month, you get a key to the gym, you come and go, you just don't steal anything, you know, because you get cops and criminals want to kick your ass if you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and my dad's gym was, was key, also 10 bucks a month, you got your own key, you yep. at three in the morning if you want, it's so funny. And we uh, often see, did, right? Exactly. So you ever have any, you ever have any of those crazy 2 a.m., 3 a.m. fucking squat workouts with your buddies? Yes. Well, and my, you know, my dad was dad? A, a state trooper, so he worked midnights and he had different shifts. So I remember even as like a 12 year old kid, I went to, to the gym with him at midnight a couple of times for like leg workouts yeah. where my mom would, was almost in tears, like thinking it was child abuse, but <laughs> he was the greatest thing in the world, you know? Yeah. Oh man. That's awesome. And that's awesome. I love that. So your evolution of the garage gym, you know, you finally, you did the Parisi school, great thing. You started to grow, you got more experience. And then what was the point that you said, hmm, maybe I'm going to jump? Because it sounds like you were probably an employee of other facilities up yes. until that point. And then you became an entrepreneur. You expressed your entrepreneurism. And I want to talk a little bit about that. How did you make that jump? Did you do anything to prepare? Did you plan six months? And, you know, wh how did this, this happen for you? No. And that's where I definitely, I do a lot of consulting now for, for young gym owners. And I definitely, um, will tell them that was one of my mistakes. I should have planned more, but yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to rewrite history. Like I, it is what it is. It's, it's, I just kind of took the plunge and it was one of those things where I was so it's, that I wasn't, it wasn't like I, now I'm definitely have this entrepreneur kind of spirit, if you will, where, you know, it's the business side of things I do, uh, I'm more excited about and, and I enjoy more and I, you know, I'll read business books and, uh, but at the time when I first got started, I, the reason why I opened up my own facility wasn't because it was, um, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur now and I want to own my own business. That was actually the scariest part for me. Like that was my biggest detriment. That was why I almost didn't do it because I, I liked the, the so-called safe aspect of, Hey, I get a paycheck every two weeks. Yep. I, and I saw like, I, you know, me and Bill Parisi haven't, haven't spoken in years, but man, I got the, the utmost respect for him as a businessman, like watching how hard he worked and, and the long hours, uh, he almost, he almost, you know, turned me off from wanting to have my own <laughs> gym just because, because of that respect, I said, listen, I, I see this guy doesn't sleep. He, he works around the clock and he walked, he would walk into the gym and everyone would uh, just bombard him. Like he couldn't get from the front door to his office without 30 people. Bill, I got to ask you something, Bill, I got to talk to you, Bill, the toilet's leaking, Bill, the, the electrician showed up. The, it was just like, Oh my God, I go, man, this guy's head is going to explode. Like, I never want that to be me. Yeah. And now that has been me for the last, you know, 15 years. But seeing him, that almost turned me off from it because I just, I was passionate about training. I loved training athletes. I, I that's all I cared about, but I cared about it so much when, um, you know, Parisi's grew and got bigger and bigger. And I'm, I'll just be completely honest. Uh, you know, I, as a business grows, you know, sometimes the, the quality, and this is just my own opinion. Um, I felt like the quality was starting to drop a little bit 
And uh, I was just so passionate and naive also because it wasn't my business and it, it wasn't up to me to pay the bills. So I was all just about well, no, I, you know, I don't want to train larger groups. I only want to train one or two athletes at a time because I could focus more and get better results. And, you know, and now I see Bill's side of things and I could totally relate and respect it. He needed to, his, his overhead was massive. He yeah. needed to pay the bills. So he was constantly trying to battle, you know, that balancing act of, I want quality to remain high, but you know, I have this massive business now I got to pay the bills. And, you know, I was just such a technician. All I cared about was the training and I wanted the training done my way or I didn't want to be a part of it. And that was kind of why I left. It was just like right. I wanted to train. I wanted to stick to, quote unquote, my style of training. And I felt like it was starting to slip a little. And again, no hard feelings. All due respect. There's enough business to go around. They have been tremendously successful. I've been successful. So, um, you know, it worked out for all of us in the end. But that, that's why I initially left. It was just like, I, I want to train people my way. And that's why I even gravitated towards um, that smaller facility. Yeah. A, I didn't have the money to you know, open up anything bigger, even if I wanted to. How much did you have in your pocket? I, I, I actually had to take out a loan. I, had, I could tell you the initial um, cost of the, I bought three pieces of equipment. It was like a little over $5,000. Okay. And, uh, I remember for me at the time, it was like, oh my God, you know, it's, it, might, it, it should have been $5 million. Yeah. You know, like that's what it felt to me. Because uh, I had like five, but I think the equipment, you know, everything's always more expensive when you factor it in shipping and all. Yeah. The owner yeah. of the gym that I was renting out the, the closet, he ended up even lending me, it was a couple thousand bucks that he kind of wrapped into the rent each month. And I ended up paying him back over the course of that first year. But I spent everything I had left over, plus borrowed a couple thousand, uh, paid that back over the first year. But it, it was funny, and, and I tell this story. Um, that storage closet in the in the beginning, you know, I was fine with it because I was all about, you know, I, I grew up on that Empey's gym, like we talked about those key clubs, hardcore, yeah. you know, dungeon type gyms. So I love the atmosphere. But coming from a big, beautiful thirty thousand square foot you know, facility with an indoor turf field and an indoor uh, track, it was almost, there was that little part of me that was almost a little embarrassed when athletes would come in and I would say like, hey, here's my facility. They'd walk in and kind of go like, yeah, this is it. You know, they, it, it, it I didn't want to say I had, I had quality equipment, the three or four things I had, but again, it's, it's a broken down storage closet. So to the untrained eye, it's this little shitty, you know, place. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, fast forward, it was so unique. And, and then the results started speaking for themselves. The, the thing that almost embarrassed me a little bit in the beginning, the size of the facility, kind of became like that, that became my selling point. And it almost uh, the image and the aura it created um, brought people in because they couldn't believe that this DeFranco guy was getting results out of a storage closet. So now people started showing up just to see if it was actually a storage closet. Yeah. And then that became <laughs> like my niche. Your and, lure. Uh, it, it was just cool. Like uh, it was so unique and so different. It actually brought people in the doors after that first year. You're like the grand wizard. The warriors would have to like, you know, trek through the, the, the perilous forest and up the, the mountain and finally into the cave. And there you are with all your wisdom, just kind of waiting. They have to leave like the sunny valleys and the maidens and such. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like Yoda in this like little cave. Yeah, uh, but that's exactly what it turned out to be. And then within a year, I had I had six or seven guys like yep. starters from the New York Giants, uh, high school kids. Brian Cushing, you know, who's still with me to this yeah. day, one of my top clients is uh, at the time he's a high school All American. And wow, that's you cool. know, in that storage closet, I look back now that first one or two years. Uh, six or seven kids that were in high school ended up going on to play in the NFL. Uh, Brian Cushing being one of them, yeah. Chris Hogan, who just won a Super Bowl with the, with the new England Patriots. He played lacrosse wow. uh, in college, ended up uh, making it in the NFL. He was a high school kid that I was training in the storage closet. Uh, Enzo Amore, who's a WWE wrestler. Now yeah. he was a high school football player. Now he's this big WWE superstar. So, 
I just I'm not bragging. I just like to to make that point to kind of impress upon people like it's not the size of your gym. It's not like how much your equipment costs. If you're passionate and you're educated and you care, you could get results in a storage closet, in the park, in your basement, uh, in a, a multi-million dollar facility. Like it's not about the place. It's about the people in there. Uh, and nothing, you know, proves that more than my, my original gym. Yeah. That's awesome. And now you had mentioned WWE, which is a great segue. Triple H looked, I mean, everybody's talking. That's the number one story. It seems is how amazing Triple H looked. Um, and can you give us a little bit as you are his, his coach, you are his trainer. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do with and for him and some challenges because he's not a 25 year old kid anymore. And he looked better than most of those 25-year-old kids. So break it down for us. Yeah. He, and, you know, I always say I got to credit to him because he's the one doing the work. I always appreciate uh, being linked in some small way to his success. But he's the one doing the work. He's yeah. the busiest human being on the planet that I know. Uh, but And many of us, many people do know we do train at midnight. That's not just a yeah. uh, a gimmicky thing that we put online. That whole hashtag midnight workout thing is real. And the reason why we train at midnight isn't because there's some, you know, magic uh, result that happens at midnight. It's actually, you know, most would consider that detrimental. We know how, how important sleep is. Yeah. But he, he travels so much and he's literally so busy the only free time that he could consistently get, you know, three or four days a week is when he gets home from work late after he puts his, he's got three girls, uh, him and Stephanie McMahon, his wife, yeah. uh, they put their kids to bed and, and, you know, next thing you know, it's about 10 o'clock. I, I arrive and you, you mentioned his age, he's 47. By the time we warm up and get rolling, you yeah. know, that workout starting about 11 o'clock and, and we're training until about, you know, one, one thirty in the morning. Uh, each night or each morning. So, yeah. um, you know, kudos to him for putting the work in. That's number one. Uh, but he is 47 and he does have, you know, he's, he's as banged up as any, any UFC fighter you've probably sure. ever worked with any NFL guy I've ever worked with. Like, uh, a lot of people need to know that yes, wrestling, the, the outcomes are predetermined and it is a show and these guys aren't trying to hurt each other. But the performance um, that they put on each and every night is very physical and the the uh, risks involved are very real. And all you got to do is look at, you know, guys that are in their 40s uh, and 50s and wrestled hmm. their whole life. You know, most of them are either in a wheelchair, yeah. walker, uh, replaced hips, replaced shoulders like these guys are banged up, man. So. Uh, I, I've, I've had a newfound respect for that industry. Yeah. Um, but the thing, I guess, to get to your question, like, A, I think the importance, number one, is his consistency because people see he only wrestles once or twice a year. So key number one is he doesn't just wait until, you know, six weeks before his WrestleMania match and give yeah. me a call and say, hey, dude, you know, we got six weeks. Get me in the best shape of my life. Yeah. We train – Every week, you know, 12 months out of the year for six and a half years now, I have never um, gone longer than a week without going to his house and training him and Steph. So wow. he has remained consistent. That's number one. Number two, we had to make a major shift when, I, when he first hired me. We went from, you know, heavyweights, typical, you know, bodybuilding type methods, lots of volume, yep. you know, lots of strength training. We flip flopped that, you know, I'm, I'm a meathead at heart. I'm still all about training heavy and, and getting strong, but the, his warmups were actually longer than his workouts when we first started. Yep. And we kind of flip flopped the amount of mobility he was doing and strength training he sure. was doing. So we went from, you know, strength training and heavyweights being 95% of his programming and he might stretch for two minutes at the end of a workout every now and then. And we flip flopped that and, you know, spent, you know, 80, 90 percent of my focus was getting him to move better yeah. uh, and feel better. Number one, before we worried about how he was going to look, you know, and perform. So sure. and that remains to this day. Mobility, flexibility and, and just movement quality is is hands down, you know, top of that priority list when it comes to his training. 
Um, but once we got him there and, you know, he's done, he's done a 48 inch box jump at, wow. at 46 years old. Uh, he's done a lot of athletic things now. So once we, we got him to that level, then I was able to bring back in, you know, he does lift heavy now and, and he does some impressive things, but I think it's important to know, uh, the foundation that was built first. And, and that took a few months and, and, you know, continuing maintenance for the, the, you know, six years since then, uh, in order for him to lift those heavy weights and do that high box jump and, uh, perform at the level he's performing. So I know I probably didn't answer the question, but I just think that was kind of the foundation That's good context for sure. Place first. Yeah. Um, and so for this, for the, the meatheads listening, a lot of mobility work, a lot of prehab work um, to ensure that you, there are no injuries or reducing risk of injury. And then from a resistance program, did you scale him out six weeks, 12 weeks in advance? Was it barbell work, dumbbell work, kettlebell work? You know, what was kind of the meat of, uh, for, as far as, you know, sustaining and building muscle and giving him that, that sculpted look? How'd you play with that? I- yeah, I think the the best answer to give, because again, there's so much, but the 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 easiest way for me to describe it would would be he's 47 years old. Yep. He's been training, you know, hard since he's 16, 15. So here's someone, yes, he had a lot of injuries, but he's got a ton of experience, like yep. as much as any of us in the weight room. So, you know, he's he's been there, done that. So I think the 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 first and foremost, the number one training variable for him to produce the results, but also keep him injury free was variety in his training. Yeah. You know, uh, if you do the same thing over and over, as you know, you, you know, they produce overuse injuries. That's why, you know, the barbell bench press gets a bad rap because if you always start your upper body workout with a straight barbell bench press, three sets of 10, you're going to develop, you know, overuse injuries from that same movement pattern. Powerlifters have it all the time. Sure. They, you know, they do three lifts and it's pretty much all they do. And then they all have the same issues because they don't kind of get out outside of their comfort zone and move in three dimensions, so to speak. So I, you know, I can't go over all the different things we do, but I will say, I think the quote unquote secret is we do a combo of everything. We do, we use barbells, we use dumbbells, uh, sprinkle in kettlebell training a little bit in there. Uh, a lot more body weight training than he has ever done, you know, as a 250 pound muscled up guy, um, you know, guys like him don't gravitate towards body weight stuff because it's tougher for for bigger dudes. But, you know, we do, um, things with the gymnastic rings, like suspended pushups and, uh, different kind of, of, um, like TRX or jungle gym variations. We do a lot of that stuff. We incorporated blood flow restriction training, uh, which yeah. go in into that a little bit. Was, what was that? I said, go into that a little bit, the blood restriction, please. Yeah. See, I, so that was one of those things I thought was gimmicky when I first saw, I was, like, I ah, remember following you on that and being like, all right, let's let Joe test this shit out. Cause I felt the same way. It was interesting to watch yeah, you go you know, through it. Exactly. You see, you know, you see it in the, in the muscle magazines, some big juiced up dude with his arms tied off doing <laughs> curls. And it was like. Eh, this is just a way to take a good selfie for your Instagram and have your veins pop out, yeah. you know. But um, as I did more research on it, there really is a, a ton of benefit not only for muscle building and, and strength training, but rehab. And, and it's got um, lots of healing properties because of the the systemic effect it has on your body. I think most people, they see those, you know, the video of, of the guy doing curls and you just think, oh, well, that gives you a pump in your bicep. But because of, of that fluid shift uh, from, from more of, of a global standpoint, um, and, and the research proves this, like the, you get a massive amount of growth hormone output during one of those you know, quick 10, 15-minute sessions. And a lot of anabolic hormones and, and healing properties take place just from these brief little sessions. So is that localized into the muscle, into the area being restricted or is it free? No, no, free. And that's what, so you get both, you get the local effect of the, the muscle you're training, but there's a definite, uh, you know, what I would call global effect or systemic effect on your entire body. Even when you're just doing, um, those bicep curls or tricep pushdowns, because there's such a drastic shift uh, that fluid shift in your body where all the blood is kind of rushing to that working muscle group, 
and you're, you're quote unquote trapping it there, even though some obviously is getting out, but you're restricting the return of the, you, you want the blood to go in, but you're restricting the best you can, the return of that blood through the veins. And that, that shift in your body, that disturbance creates a lot of um, positive effects as uncomfortable it is uh, hmm. while you're doing it, it. It has a lot of positive effects. And what we saw was um, I actually was helping a kid out that was just getting off of uh, rotator cuff surgery. And again, this is just um, you know my own experience. I don't have any kind of official studies on it, but I just know the way he was healing. And even his, his surgeon and his doctor were like, what the hell you've been doing? Because you're coming back a lot faster wow. than I thought. And we weren't doing any um, you know, direct shoulder work. This is a guy with rotator cuff surgery. And, uh, we were doing the curls, tricep pushdowns, and then putting the cuffs around the legs, doing some split squats. Uh, so you're not doing any direct shoulder work, but again, uh, you know, what I could equate it to is that the growth hormone release and, and just what's going on from a global standpoint helped to speed up, uh, the, the healing, the healing process in his body. And for a guy like triple H, why, I, we tried it and I wasn't expecting to stick with it, but we stuck with it. it and not as a, as a sole method, but as a part of our training for the last six months, uh, we used it. And what I noticed was he, he was dealing initially, he was dealing with some shoulder issues yeah. and, uh, some, he had, he had a, a torn bicep tendon when I first started training him. Um, that's why he called me after this, this shoulder, uh, surgery, okay. And that was acting up. And so he couldn't lift heavy and couldn't bench, couldn't do anything heavy. Shoulder was really bugging him. Long story short, we start doing the blood flow restriction training. No heavy lifting for initially, I mean, it was probably a couple, probably close to two months. We didn't touch a heavy weight. Uh, it was kind of general body weight stuff. And with the with blood flow restriction cuffs, you're literally using like 20% um, of your max. So he's doing, you know, curls with 10 pound dumbbells, tricep pushdowns with a little mini band squats with his just body weight, wow. body weight squats. When we went back to when his shoulders started feeling better, we went back to benching and heavy lifting. He picked up exactly where he left off wow. uh, previous to that. Yeah. So again, not an official study, but I'm more, you know, I, I like to know the research, but then at the same time, if it doesn't work for me or my athletes, I take everything with a grain of salt. You know, I, I like to experiment myself. So for me, yeah. I, I've been working closely with him for six years. I know exactly where his strength is at in all the different lifts. And, and I could tell you the blood flow restriction training helped him maintain muscle and maintain strength. It, it gave him basically a, a maximal strength benefit without lifting over 30% of his max uh, on any exercises for, for about a two month period. Wow. So, uh, you know, that's all I needed. Um, and then even when he was able to lift heavy, we still incorporated, I used it more as a finisher at the end of the workout. Um, just because I'm always looking for ways to increase the intensity, um, of his workouts without having to, you know, increase the stress on his joints, because obviously yeah. that's a big factor at 47 years old. I want him to continue to progress, but we don't want to do it at the expense of, you know, injury or, or just even, you know, he travels a lot. Like, I think there's something to be said about, uh, you know, I know a lot of us you, you use soreness as like a badge of honor. Like, Oh, I killed chest yesterday. I can't even brush my teeth today. Like that's all well and good. But when you're running a company like the WWE and you got to travel and you got to be on like, not being able to walk or not being able to move isn't the best thing when you have to live on a plane and be in meetings all day. So I'm always looking for ways. Can we get better? Can we help him pack on some muscle? Can we improve his conditioning without stressing his joints or with putting minimal stress on his joints and without him having to feel like shit? And the blood flow restriction training was a great supplement uh, to, to help me accomplish those goals this year. And how exactly, so those listening right now, they wanted to attempt this, what do they do? I mean, what, what apparatus do they need and how do they place it? Is it only for arms? Can you do legs? Can you do back and deltoids? Yeah, so you only would place the, the cuffs or straps around your, your limbs, your arms or your legs. So okay. it's not, there's not a different setup 
uh, for so your shoulders. Not around your throat or anything. No, I'm just going to say like everybody <laughs> listening, you know, I, I know you got a lot of MMA guys and stuff. Listen, if you want to get your neck bigger, don't choke yourself. <laughs> Please, it's just, just your limbs. As high up on the arms, kind of right where the, the delt ties in, you know, to the bicep, as high up on your arms. Sure. And then on, on your thighs, it's it's all the way up in your groin, like right right where you're the glute fold, uh, you know, yep. so to speak. You want them as high up. Here's the with thing. what type of is it like a piece of latex or rubber like you're getting an iv is it you know a shoelace yeah you don't want i and i don't work for for this company but the, i yeah. i use i just want to you know the the company that i used was called be strong i felt sure. like i tried a lot of different um i tried a mini band i tried knee wraps if you go if the implement is too skinny you feel you start to get into like the nerves and yeah. the arteries and you do not want that. Um, it's funny. The first time I tried it with the mini band, that's exactly what I felt like nerve pain yeah. shooting down my arms. And then when I, I spoke to the guy who created these be strong cuffs, uh, the first thing I said was, well, the, the, the actual width of your cuffs feels so much more comfortable. Can you actually go too skinny? And first thing he said was, yeah, he goes, if you use an implement too skinny, you increase your risk at at doing nerve damage if you go too tight. And I just kind of laughed to myself. I was like, man, I was was close to doing that (laughs) to myself. So you don't want too too skinny. But if something like a knee wrap around your arms is a little bit too thick um, because then it's tough to – you can't get a good wrap on it. And and then it's tough to restrict that. The, the blood flow from kind of um, trapping the, the blood flow, so to speak. So you need something in between. There are some implements online you you could probably get. So again, I use that specific company just because it's easier. They're like a blood pressure cuff. You put them on there, you Velcro them. Uh, it's not a, a pain in the ass at all. But if even if you looked up that that company and then see that thickness. Yep. That's what you want. If you want to try to, you know, come up with something on your own or you could, I, I know I've seen a couple different things on Amazon that were, that were cheap. Um, cool. you want something in between so the easily accessible, a thicker, like a knee wrap yep. or something. Um, but so the key is you want it to be tight enough again, where we, we want to, the blood needs to get into the muscle and you want to be tight enough to kind of prevent it from uh leaving through the veins although obviously some of it you know you're not going to totally prevent it but so with my cuffs what i do is you put them on and a good indicator is if 10 is the tightest you could wrap something where it's unbearable uh you're not going to last for you know 30 seconds you want like a seven something where you could maybe if you had to like get your finger between that cuff and your skin It'd be tough, but you could get one finger okay. uh, in there. Any tighter, it's too tight, loose. You Not know, quite a tourniquet. Tight and then, so the and then the protocol, just general protocol, is you. We would do um, something you could get about thirty reps with. Uh, so, say for for arms with Triple H. I would just have them go 10 pound dumbbells. You don't want to go too heavy because you defeat the purpose. You're trying not to tear down the muscle. The whole goal is just to get blood, to get the blood flow in there. So it's almost like, how can you like go as light as possible in order to do that? And when you're tied off, it's not that hard. So 10 pound dumbbells, he'd do 30 reps, put them down, rest 20 to 30 seconds, do another 30 rest 20 to 30 seconds, and then do another 30. Three sets of 30. If the burn is unbearable, um, you can have a slight drop-off. So you might do 30, 25, 17. That's fine. But the first set, you want to wait that you could do 30. Then we would do a tricep exercise, real light, a a mini band. Uh, We would do overhead extensions just because regular push-downs, like with your arm down, the, the blood, you know, the pump is almost unbearable so we would go overhead yeah. tricep extensions with a mini band in that same fashion uh three sets of 30 nice and finish i would finish with a core activation exercise maybe just like a one or two sets of a plank and that's it for upper body we take them off and that would be that was pretty much the finisher hmm. to our upper body workout 
uh, you know, for, for the last couple months. Yeah. And, uh, he put an inch on his arms, uh, you know, during that time. And then for legs, we would do something like a body weight squat, three sets of 30, and then a split squat, a stationary split squat or a walking lunge. Um, same thing, three sets each leg and that the cuffs are on a total, you know, of anywhere from six to 10 minutes. And, and you're done. It doesn't take a lot. That's the, uh, that's the beauty of it. But the, the key is making, making sure you have the tightness, uh, of the implement, right. So you're not doing any harm. Um, but following the, that general protocol, it's, it, it's pretty simple, but the effects, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm an infomercial for it because I, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm selling blood flow restriction cuffs, <laughs> but it, it worked. Like I gotta say, yeah. it, it, I didn't think it was, but but it was a big help in our training. So yeah. I got to give it two thumbs up. And the science was there. Then you went out, you tested it in your own um, Petri dish. And, and that's really yeah. what it's about. So I understand there's a lot of science out there that's interesting. But when you try to apply it, it just simply doesn't work for whatever reasons. And then you kind of you develop your own hypothesis, right? Then you start to test in your own lab and you come out with your own result. Um, which is interesting. Now, I want to ask, give me five exercises. If you had to pick, and you know, we're not going to hang you on it, the top five exercises generally, what are the best five exercises to use? Not if you were stuck on an island, but let's give, for those listening, let's let's make it simple. There's probably 50, 500 exercises eventually, but what five for the average guy that's looking to put on 10 pounds of muscle, maintain or drop body fat a little bit and get functional? So I would say, um, and here's the beauty, I don't want to dance around the question, but the, the five, I would say the first thing, and because we're all, just like you said with the um, experimenting, you know, you read the research, you see what it says, you put that in the back of your head, and then you go do it for yourself. Yep. I think everybody, their body type's a little different. Everybody kind of gravitates towards their own favorite exercises. Some people love to bench press, others hate it. So I, I'll first say a press Yep. A pull, yep. a squat variation, a hinge variation, and then some kind of a a drag or a carry. So um, that that's like my core press, pull, squat. Yeah, that is five. Yep. Is that five? That's those are like my five basic movements. And then then you could really plug in what you want. But so for me, um, you know, uh, a bench press variation. If you like barbell, I think if I had to pick like a thick a thick bar bench. Uh, a lot of my athletes have issues with overhead pressing. Okay. So I gravitate more towards, uh, bench pressing, uh, more on that horizontal plane. And again, prop technique overrides everything. You, people will argue the bench is bad for your shoulders. Uh, if you do it wrong, yes, it is. If you do it properly, it, it, you, it you shouldn't be. So like a thick bar bench, a, any kind of a row again or a pull, I would say, uh, you know, a weighted chin up if you are, if you're strong enough, if, if you're a bigger guy and, and chin ups aren't your thing, you know, uh, a bent over barbell row or a, a dumbbell, a supported dumbbell row, you could choose your row variation or chin up variation, but that would be two yep. squatting. I prefer box squatting if done properly. I think most people are, you know, they, they, they're quad dominant squatters. The knees shoot forward. And that's why a lot of people associate squatting with being bad for your knees. But that the box squat has been like a savior in my program for developing the glutes, hamstrings, hips, and just getting a guy like triple H when we first started training said, you know, I'll do whatever you say, but, but let's be careful with the squats. Cause when I squat, I can't walk up a flight of stairs for a week. Yeah. Uh, so if there's a way around, um, not squatting. If, if, you know, if you could come up with some other exercises, I'd appreciate it. I taught him how to box squat. We have box squatted some variation almost every week for the last six years and his knees have never felt better. So that's a staple for me. Um, a hinge, something like a deadlift or, or an RDL kettlebell swing, uh, you know, kind of choose your poison on that. And then I'm huge. I think every athlete, every person should be doing some kind of sled dragging forward, um, you know, heavy forward drags, a, a prowler push. Um, if you don't have access to a sled or a prowler, um, 
grab a pair of dumbbells and go for a heavy dumbbells and go for a walk. Uh, so those could kind of be interchangeable, either drag something or carry something and go for a walk. But th- that's my big five universal, whether you're an athlete or an average Joe, uh, I like to see you doing, you know, incorporating those five movements into your programming. And what type of frequency for the average intermediate level trainee that's listening right now, those five variants of those five, is it Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Is it upper body, lower body? How would you break that up generally again? Again, there's, it depends on um, each person. Generally, I gravitate towards an upper lower body split. Yeah. Uh, if you truly could only train one or two days a week, I would definitely recommend a full body split and then you could maybe uh you know you're incorporating a variation of of you know maybe you pick three or two or three of of those five and you you have kind of workout a and workout b and, and cycle back and forth through those but in a perfect world if you could train three to four days a week i like the upper lower split uh, i just feel like a lot of the the guys i'm working with um they are stronger. And I found if you, when you do full body workouts, you know, if, if I start with a squat, say on those main lifts, it, it kind of takes stronger guys and girls longer to warm up. Um, but if you do an upper lower body split after that first exercise, you know, it, your upper body, so to speak, even if it's just the bench press, say you're still, your upper back is warmed up because it's isometrically contracting your elbows, your shoulders, like you're kind of ready for that next exercise. Whereas if I benched and then my next exercise is a squat, I just feel like it takes too long, um, for, for intermediate to advanced athletes to incorporate full body workouts. The, the actual workout just kind of seems to take too long and it doesn't flow yeah. well. So that, that's why I tend to, you know, go towards that upper, lower, kind of a west side type split. You know, I like a strength day and then more of a dynamic or a, a rep day, a hypertrophy day in a perfect world for both upper and lower body. So, you know, you'd be doing your upper body stuff twice a week, lower body stuff twice a week. If you could only train three days, um, you would just alternate. So you would say, you know, say you could train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, upper body workout number one on Monday, lower body workout number one on Wednesday, upper body workout number two on Friday. Then the next Monday, you just go lower body workout number two. You know, then next Wednesday, you go back upper body workout number one, cycle through that way. And that right there is is genius in its simplicity. And most people listening, they can't break the concept of not conforming to a seven-day work week when it comes to their body, physical adaptation. Uh, like our athletes, we'll put them, sometimes it's on a five-day rotation or a three-day rotation. Yeah. Sunday, Monday, it doesn't give, your body don't give a fuck. Are we recovered and ready or are we not, right? And so you look at it that way and that's, that's awesome, obviously, that you do that. And that's easy for anybody listening. Shit, two days a week and that type of, was it, that's four days a week, no, three days a week, I'm sorry. But that type of rotation, that type of training, you probably get better gains on that style than if you're training four or five days in a single week, right? Agreed, agreed. Yeah, and it, it's, I'm glad you spent a little more time on that because I take it for granted too sometimes. Like I, the general population, it's probably, the, you said it, the easiest um, way uh, yet, I think, or, or the most overlooked way that, to structure programming because I think as soon as you say upper lower split, people think that Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday split. Yeah, as soon as I got to fit it in in seven days because yeah, I got to get paid on Friday and whatever society did to me. Yes. Monday has to be chest day and and Tuesday squat day. Like, no, Monday is going to be chest day sometimes. And then some Mondays it's going to be something else. But that the the way we just talked about that, a four, a four workout split spread over a three day work week, so to speak, probably would work better for the the general public because you get a little more recovery in between each one of those workouts. Some people uh, with life, stress, family, kids, you know, uh, things aren't always perfect. Sometimes it's tough for people to do an upper body workout or, you know, um, a lower body workout on Monday and then again on Thursday. Um, you know, so you get that extra little recovery in there um, when you do the, when you organize it the way we just mentioned. Uh, in fact, I would almost, 
now that we're talking about it, you know, if, if, if you put a gun to my head and you said I had to come up with the best split for the average person listening to this, that would probably be it. Lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but in that kind of four workout rotation. And then you maybe do some kind of quick high intensity type cardio, something that's very doable, very practical on a, a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, or even just two days a week. If you could get in a, a Tabata type workout or, you know, uh, you get on the, the assault bike and, and do something kind of quick, you squeeze in your, your quote unquote cardio on those days. And that is a very practical doable, um, approach for most people out there that have jobs and kids and don't have a lot of time to train. That's it, man. That's, that's awesome. That there is gold, ladies and gentlemen, those listening. I mean, you just replicate what Joe just told you and that's gains for days. I mean, that's 52 weeks of making pretty good gains without a, a, a discernible plateau as long as they're paying attention to recuperation and they're cycling through and they're cycling those exercises. They're not benching every day for eight weeks in a row. They are going to cycle out and maybe do some dips or some weighted push-ups or some overhead press if they can or a variant or grab some dumbbells and, and, and you know change the angle. So all of a sudden they have 52 weeks of exercise availability that they can play in and out as their body adapts, as their goals may change, bikini seasons coming up, <laughs> you know, time, time to put that shit in, you know, put it, put it together. And then, you know, the, the basic meathead is, is, you know, falls is bulk up season. So then you could cycle, you know, get those numbers up a little bit. You can play that cycle. That's awesome, bro. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's perfect. And I think what you said about cycling through the exercises, I think it, for people to understand, like, you could come up with a basic template, um, kind of like when you asked me my favorite five exercises and, you know, I initially said a press, a push, a squat, a hinge and a carry. I'm going to stop you for a second because it, and this is why you're a world-class coach. Cause you're not even thinking in terms of exercises. You're thinking in terms of biomechanics. Well, how does the body move? Yes. This is the way the body moves. Therefore I can now overlay specific exercises to match that basic human movement. So you're hitting all the human, the, the movement patterns. Yes. And I guess as you get older and more experienced, you realize, you know, there is no one be all end all exercise. Like, even though I just said, I love box squatting. Yeah. If I went to train you and you didn't have a box and a barbell, <laughs> like I know that, Hey, I love that exercise. Then it's jump it's squats. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like say, Oh, I can't train you. You don't have a box for box squatting. I know the squatting pattern is important. Yeah. So let's figure something out. Do you have a dumbbell? We could do goblet squats. Do yeah. you, you know, it's, and that's, I think what you're programming, it's the same thing. So that, that template we just laid out. Now, you know how you could organize your week. Now within that week, just come up with your workout. Number one, workout, number two, workout, number three, workout, number four. And what I do is we just have a template basically um, but we are my, my strong bastard workout. This is what we did. And it's funny. It's the most popular program uh, we ever wrote. And there's no, we give you some examples of specific exercises, but the reason why it was popular is because we left it open-ended. It's just, you know, for example, it'll say Monday horizontal press variation. So if you like to barbell bench press, barbell bench press, if you like to dumbbell bench press, dumbbell bench press, if you want to do incline decline, I don't care. That's, you know, just know that workout number one, for example, you're going to do a horizontal press, then you're going to do a vertical pull, which could be a chin up variation or a lat pull down variation, then a, a shoulder variation, whether it's a lateral raise, an overhead press, whatever you want. And, and this is just a, a basic example. And then maybe you finish with a bicep tricep superset. So I didn't, I didn't list one specific exercise. That's just a template. But then you kind of plug and play. You fill in the exercises you feel like doing on that day, do them for a week or two, maybe three. When you get bored of them, you stick with that same template. But let's say you were barbell benching for three weeks. After those three weeks are up, you know, switch over to a, an incline dumbbell bench with fat grips and yeah. do that for three weeks. And uh, instead of lat pull downs, do uh, underhand grip chin-ups, uh, you know, and you could just, when you, when you look at your programming that way, 
there is variation until the end of time yeah. without really having to change you know, your basic template uh, and racking your brain every two to three weeks and having to come up with something drastically different. You could stay on the so-called same template almost for the rest of your life if you wanted to, but just switch plug and play with the exercises as you learn new things. You, you might, you know, me or Mike maybe post a new uh, video on YouTube. You learn a new exercise. Now, at least when you look at your programming that way, you, you're not so set into one program where you go, oh man, Mike just showed an awesome exercise, uh, you know, for lower body, but I'm on, uh, you know, DeFranco so-and-so program, so I can't incorporate it. No, if you, if you look at your programming that way, whenever you learn something new, you just plug it in where it fits and uh, you got variation for a lifetime. That's awesome. And this is a great segue into your CPPS certification. So cer- certified physical performance specialist. And this is in short time become one of the most respected designations for serious strength and conditioning coaches or personal trainers, those involved in improving physical fitness. And that's some team coaches, you know, MMA coaches or, you know, high school football coaches and such. Can you break down a little bit exactly what what is this? What is the CPPS system? Um, I, well, I, I appreciate you saying that and, uh, and mention it. It's a system that um, myself and Smitty, Jim Smith, a lot sure. of people listening probably know my man Smitty from uh, Diesel Strength and Conditioning. He's, he's been a longtime friend of mine. And uh, it's funny, th- this wasn't like a part of a master plan with us. This kind of came out of hmm. a necessity. We first got together um, and, and collaborated uh, for the first time. Uh, man, I guess it's like seven years ago now on our amped warm-up DVD. We both Smitty and I kind of had our own followings, but we knew of each other. Long story short, uh, I had posted a video on YouTube um, of me in my old apartment rolling around on a lacrosse ball. I was kind of rolling my glutes out on a lacrosse ball. And uh, I spoke a little bit about how that you know, was helping to relieve some of my low back pain. And it became my most popular video at the time, which kind of surprised me because I had a lot of cool stuff of like, you know, athletes running 4.2 second 40 yard dashes and jumping 42 inches and bench pressing 500 pounds. And I was like, damn, me rolling around on a lacrosse ball has got like a couple hundred thousand views. Like this is (laughs) this is weird. You know, it shows like there's obviously an interest and a need for this. A lot of banged up people out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And. Uh, and I, I guess Smitty was at one of, uh, a seminar I was given at the time and somehow that got brought up. And then he said to me, you know, it's funny. My most popular video right now is I just put this shoulder rehab or shoulder, uh, like a pre bench press shoulder warm up video, which was basically like a shoulder prehab video. And he goes, I knew Smitty as like the crazy, like grip training guy. He had all this cool, like strongman training videos and, and crazy ways to improve your grip strength and these crazy feats of strength on his YouTube channel. And he was laughing. He goes, yeah, I got all this crazy shit. And a video of me doing a bunch of rotator cuff exercises is like by far my most popular video right now. So we kind of like looked at each other like, wow, there's not, like you just said, man, there's a lot of banged up people out there. Yep. Um, there's, they want this information. They need this information. But most people are showing more the like the performance stuff is still kind of the cool stuff to watch and do. Sure. But that's leading to a lot of people that are banged up. So we come up with this uh, amped warm up system, which was, you know, we always say we kind of helped make warming up cool again. And uh, (laughs) at the same time, helped a lot of people that were banged up, you know, get out of pain, improve their mobility, flexibility. That thing takes off, uh, you know, even shocked us a little bit. It sold in like 20 different countries and it was a huge, huge success. And uh, that led to our, you know, other DVDs that all kind of like they all segued off of one another. People said, oh, we saw your warm up DVD. That was awesome. It helped me so much. What do you suggest, um, you know, for for power and speed development now that I feel better and I'm warmed up? What's the best way to get faster? What's the best way to jump higher? What's the best way to get stronger? And then that led to 
you know, DVDs on strength, power, speed, um, our accessory exercises. We have our extreme DVD. And if you look at our DVD series, it goes in order of like what a workout would be a warm up DVD, a, uh, a speed, a power DVD, a strength DVD, a, a DVD for accessory exercises and uh, a core, um, you know, strengthening DVD. And uh, we kind of looked at that. And we're like, man, this is almost like a, a college curriculum, like a practical um, version with with the, the necessary science and experience behind it of kind of what you should have learned in college if yeah. you you know studied exercise phys and uh we came up with the idea you know let's make this a, an actual course because this is a legit course and both the, smitty and i had every certification under the sun and we both kind of joked about how you know we almost took those certifications and then forgot you know you need to forget everything you learn to actually train athletes in the real world because you know, most of the certifications out there, as you know, unfortunately, you know, they're not taught by guys like me and you, to be quite frank, that actually do this for a living and have that real world experience, um, you know, that guys like us and Smitty have. And, and that's what led uh, to the to the CPPS course. And that, that's why we're proud of it. It wasn't like, hey, how do we make a quick buck? Let's come up with a certification. It was truly our life's work. Um after filling a, a need of what the people kind of asked for and, and it created what we feel is almost like a PhD level course. And we cover everything, you know, from breathing, diaphragmatic breathing and, and how to warm up properly to advanced speed, strength and program design methods, uh, you learn in that weekend. And, um, you know, we're proud of that because we not only teach that stuff, but we also pride ourselves on, helping people become a better coach. You know, we like to yeah. think you're not only uh, smarter and more book smart when you leave, but we go over things like, you know, just how to interact with people and social skills and getting up in front of a room and commanding the room and how to, how to relate and, and speak the language of your clients, uh, better coaching cues to help people understand better. So they actually leave a better coach when they leave our, our cert and, uh, you know, I think that's why it's it's blown up the way it has in only – I don't even – I guess it's only like three or maybe – I don't even think it's four years. It's only about three years since we started it. Wow. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's just blown up. We now have six, 600-plus coaches from uh, 13 or 14 different countries at this, this point. We just moved the CERT online as well, our, our – um, Level one and level two are available online during certain times of the year, and uh, it's going well. So I, I, you know, I appreciate you um, bringing it up because we, we are proud of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know a lot of coaches that actually have the certification and just talk uh, you know, very highly of it, and it exceeds from a practical perspective with the scientific base of a what a lot of the other um, longer established certifications have. And it's not saying anything bad, but your content seems to be much more updated, much more real life, much more producing, actually producing results, not just theorizing about the ways that results can be produced. And that might be a disconnection from the traditional academia of what you're doing. You have that, that awesome blend. So people, they can go to cppscoaches.com. Is that where to learn about the coaching system and the online yes. program, which is exciting? Yes. Thank you. you yes. Yeah, cppscoaches.com. Uh, you could click on schedule and you'll see what we're um, offering at the time. Uh, we have, uh, depending on when people listen to this, we have an uh, in-person course coming up in Michigan. Then we're doing one at what? WWE Perform. What dates? That is uh, May 6th and 7th. So okay. that's coming up soon. And then um, we just got the okay from the WWE to use the Performance Center in Orlando nice. in September. And then uh, we also have the online course. One is actually going on right now. It's going on. The online level two is up until April 17th. Uh, I'm not sure when this will be out. But, but you could – 
everything's listed. You, you can kind of find your way around just by going to cppscoaches.com. Cppscoaches.com. And we're running long now on time, brother. I really appreciate you being on. So everybody can find you at DeFranco's Gym um, on Instagram, on Twitter. That's a great place to follow you. Also, DeFranco'sTraining.com, your main website, is awesome. Everybody needs to go there right now and just watch the video, the first six-minute video that's at the, uh, the top of the site. I watched that this morning, man. I was all pumped up. I felt like Rocky when I run around my gym, break <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, such, and you could see, you could see what um, Coach Joe does. You can see the athletes in motion because, I mean, amazing real world grainy training clips uh, of you with, with scores of athletes, too many to even mention, but most of which everybody would know as household names. So awesome stuff. Anything else, my man? No, that's about it, man. I, I appreciate you having me on and uh, appreciate your, your time. As you know, love what you're doing as well. We, we uh, send a lot of our athletes to, to your stuff. Uh, we actually show you uh, – we play clips of your podcast, uh, my podcast that I had you on. Oh, nice. Speaking of our cert, I forgot to mention that. Uh, we have clips of that that we incorporate when we're teaching our cert. We, we do a little bit. We leave the nutrition for guys like you. Um, because that needs to be its own separate thing, but obviously it comes up a lot. So we're always uh, referencing you and and the information you gave on my podcast as well. So you know nothing but respect and love what you're doing it and doing it the right way. So love seeing very inspiring for us to see how how you're growing and. Uh, you know, the positive thing you're, you're doing with all your athletes. Love it. I appreciate it, man. And you and I, we're like brothers in many ways, raised in the same household. It's very much the same philosophy. We're over here on the nutrition side and we blend into the strength. You're on the strength side and you blend into the nutrition because they're all unified. We obviously have specificity into what we do on nutrition as you do with the, 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 the exercise and, and the performance, but we have our own cert here too. So maybe that's an offline conversation you and I have, and we can have some synergy between the two because shit we have a very similar audience and there's there's you know reciprocal information that could be cool definitely because it's funny you you know we have so many so many coaches that take our cert mention you know i i couldn't even mention i i would to to play it safe conservatively your name gets mentioned 10 times at every certification we have that's cool uh, it's um it, it's definitely an, an overlap in our in our audience already. So may, maybe there is something we could do. I think that would be great. Yeah, we'll talk offline, man. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk here in a few. So everybody, Mr. Joe DeFranco. Joe, we'll talk soon, brother. Thanks, Mike. Okay, bye. Mr. Joe DeFranco, ladies and gentlemen. Um, just badass dude. Awesome dude. Amazing, amazing coach. I've seen his work firsthand uh one of you know joe's athletes he mentioned mr brian cushing we also work with brian cushing um as an endorsement from joe brian reached out to us two years or so ago and i think the results have been stupendous um certainly the feedback that we get so i I know what joe does behind the scenes amazing amazing coach so everybody check him out at defranco's gym and defranco's training.com or cppscoaches.com also, you guys know we have our next Dolce Diet Certified Coaches course, you know, using that simple segue. That will be in May, the weekend of March, April. Um, nope. Sorry. Yep. May 5th, 6th, and 7th. Apologies. Go to DolceDietShop.com. I think we have 10 spots left if you wanted to jump in. That is the Dolce Diet Level 1 Nutrition Certification. And we are a CEU provider for the NSCA, NASM, and the AFAA currently. So if you need your CEUs, this course will actually help you get two-thirds to three-quarters of the CEUs for your entire term, which is cool. And you walk out of DDC, which is gangster. I think that's it for now. Stay tuned. Our next podcast, we have Mr. Rob Wolf, and we're going to be talking about his new book called Wired to Eat. So make sure you're, uh, you're, looking, you're looking out for that. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you guys for being here, for joining in, for, for taking part, not spying on these conversations, for taking part in these conversations. And uh, we got a lot of exciting new interviews coming for you. I'm focused. I'm delivering. I know you guys are out there, and I have heard your requests. So uh, we got a lot more of this good stuff coming to help change your life. And remember, don't count calories. Make calories count. Boom.